And now, get growing with Farmer Fred. Talk 650 and KSTE.com. Here is Fred Hoffman. Well, good morning. Welcome to Get Growing on Talk 650 KSTE. Farmer Fred here, Fred Hoffman, UC Cooperative Extension, Lifetime Master Gardener, Garden Columnist with the Lodi News Sentinel, the guy that does all the typing at FarmerFred.com, all the ranting at the Farmer Fred Rant blog page at Twitter.com slash FarmerFred, daily garden tips, lots of snark. Dodger reposts, and uh, what else? The um, Get Growing with Farmer Fred Facebook page, where there is always a garden dialogue going on. That now includes a picture of a sickly coast redwood tree. Why are redwoods dying? Why? What's, what's the problem with redwoods? Is it the weather? Is it a bug? Is it a disease? Or is it the owner of the tree? Jeff Gravish is here from Bothing Treeland Farms, and we are going to be talking tree troubles today. So if you have a tree question, give us a call. If you have any plant question, for that matter, give it, give us a call. I can make up answers. 916-576-1578. Outside the area, 866-331-8255. Email, send it to fred at farmerfred.com. Quick look at the weather for uh, the coming week. Uh, it's fair through October with uh, highs near 90 and overnight lows in the upper 50s. And maybe some haze. The good news is they're getting more of a handle on all the fires burning throughout northern and central California. But there is still smoke around, and depends which way the wind blows. But at least with lower temperatures for the coming week, with the exception of today, it um, that uh, smoke should mitigate some. 98, the expected high today in Sacramento. Uh, but as the week goes on for all of Northern California, lower temperatures here in the Sacramento area, we can expect temperatures down to the upper 80s to low 90s by Tuesday and continuing all the way through next Saturday. So that's the good news. No no more 100 degree, uh, except for today, uh, threats on the horizon. So uh, give the air conditioner a break this week. All right. So, Jeff, oh, what were we going to talk? Oh, yes, Jeff, we, we were talking about uh, over on the KFBK Garden Show, challenged trees, trees that in, in Jeff Gravish's estimation, maybe you ought to think twice before planting here. And I, I see, and, you know, a lot of the trees on this list were at one time, Jeff, the hot tree. These are the trees to get because they're new, they're exciting. Uh, what they didn't tell you, they're Italian sports car trees that come down with lots of problems eventually. And uh, one of them uh, that I had <laughs> pretty much near failure with six of them was the Chitalpa, which is a cross between the Catalpa and the Chalopsis. Yeah. So the Chitalpa, the cross between the those two, because it just it just gets difficult to see after a while. Yes. Um, is a deciduous tree. It's a desert. It's a southwestern, not a native, but a southwestern um let's say used in more arid conditions on mm-hmm. a regular basis. So it moved up here, gets diseased right about midsummer. It starts getting leaf spot. Now, some people think it's anthracnose. Some think it, pe- people think it's a bacterial disease. But the bottom line is it's a beautiful tree to start with. It's a great drought-tolerant tree to start with. Right around midsummer, you start getting leaf spot on it. You start getting leaves falling off. Mm-hmm. So you get about half a year's good growth on it, and then it starts looking really ratty. Yeah, much in the same way uh, the Modesto ash would react at the beginning of the season. The leaves would come out, the leaves would fall. Right. Another set of leaves would come out. If you're lucky, those stayed. And one of the, the nice things about this tree is it's, it's a summer flowering tree. Right, yeah. And, and there's very few of those. 
Yeah, except for certain problems like you mentioned. Uh, and the other problem I noticed with the Chautauqua, at least at my place when I lived in Windy Herald, was that if the tree got blown over, you couldn't just prop it back up. It just didn't like being blown over, and it, it didn't. It doesn't have much resilience. Yeah, I can't speak to that part of it, but you know, if, I'm guessing probably it's breaking roots, and the roots just it, it has too much root mass lost, and they just don't grow out, um, especially in summer summer heat. Yeah, and it just doesn't generate a lot of roots. Um, could could be a little summer dormancy also. You know, temperatures get too hot, roots don't grow, uh, foliage doesn't grow really. Another tree that was the hot tree and is probably overplanted in the area now are uh, the pears, the pyrus, the ornamental pears. Right. Uh, and one of the most popular trees that we've sold for the last you know, 20 years yeah. and, and such, um, there's the evergreen pear, the pyrus kawakami, mm-hmm. okay, getting into two botanical names. Um, they're all prone to, to multitude of diseases and insect pests. You get a spring, uh, spring bacterial disease, uh, early spring, and you get a later spring bacterial disease. You get you get pseudomonas blight early spring, and then fire blight later. <laughs> so you get double. And then when they they will have a recurrent bloom sometime around now, and then you get another possibility of having fire blight spread again. Right. Plus you can get boars, you get aphids. Eh, you just keep making the list, you know. And of course, the other ornamental pair, the Pyrus calariana, uh, was considered a perfect street tree for a while for about five years, and then it started fruiting and causing all sorts of uh, mess issues. When they say, they're supposed to be, they're called fruitless pears. When they, when generally when you say a tree is fruitless, it produces some fruit um, in some way. And yeah. so you get fruit. The, the first tree, the first calarianas that were developed, uh, like a, a Bradford, okay? Bradford is a tree that has very upright branching. So it has very narrow angles of attachment. They, they break easily. They structurally mm-hmm. fall apart. Yes. So then they have other varieties that they've been developing that have better structure to them, and that's what they've been working for. And then they've got columnar, they've got there's there's um, short, there's all kind of varieties. But the problem still is that that the pear itself is prone to disease, and especially fire blight and pseudomonas blight are two debilitating diseases. The big problem I noticed with the chanticleers I had in my yard were then that's the pyrus calariana, who's a variety called the chanticleer, was that. You're right. The narrow crotch angles of the branches would lead to unexpected branch breakage. And I remember standing not too far from one one sunny morning when all of a sudden I heard this big cracking noise. And this big branch just broke out of there. And I'm glad I wasn't standing 20 feet over to my right. That's why you always, I always see you wearing a hard hat yes. in your garden photos. Yes. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, just, they're very popular. They're planted every place. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some varieties that are better than others. They're more resistant to disease. And you can, you know, go, you, you can look those up. But on the whole, the tree is fading in popularity because of recurrent issues. Yep, trees that had their day in the sun and uh, not anymore. Yeah, these, I mean, we develop a new tree. We try it. It, look, it looks great. It works fine. But over a period of time, we start to see the weaknesses, especially as it gets older, just mm-hmm. like like looking at you and I. You know, as we get older, we have our weaknesses too. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, we have bad angles of attachment and, and you know, things like that. So um, you just discover the problems with it. Exactly. Another tree you have on your list here is one that I wouldn't think of as being a challenge tree. But uh, as I think about it, I go, yeah, there was a lot of surface rooting, I remember. The Liriodendron tulipfera. So Liriodendron is a, an aphid haven. Tulip tree, by the way. The tulip tree, yes. Yeah. The, the, 
the not the the magnolia slanciana the the mm-hmm. with the large flowers yes but um they are just notorious for aphids right um and they also have they can have um micronutrient issues mm-hmm. where they have die back grow irregularly but sometime back i, I I'll never forget this, looking at, a, at an article about the city of Berkeley wanted to get rid of all theirs because they just dropped copious amounts of honeydew from aphids. Mm. And it's just, it's just, it's, it's a big park tree, nothing you should put in your lawn. And again, just will, you'll guarantee to be have, to have aphids in there. Yeah, the one uh, tree that I knew of in a lawn, it wasn't meant for a 20 by 20 lawn area because the area was then taken up mostly by roots. Yeah, we're talking about a, a Wisconsin and, and, and Minnesota forest tree. Yeah, it's a back 40 tree. Yeah. If anything, enjoy. Yeah. And, and the flowers are hard to see in it anyway. Yeah, it just, it, it, it's, you know, oh, it's a wonderful shade tree. It'll be great in my yard. And then you're just being dripped on constantly. Yeah, you don't want that. All right. People are calling, people with questions. We will get to your questions after we take a short break. You're listening to Get Growing on Talk 650 KSTE. You're listening to Get Growing with Farmer Fred. Talk 650 KSTE. Here again, Fred Hoffman. Along with certified arborist and sales manager at Bothing Treeland Farms in Lodi, Jeff Gravish is here. We're answering your tree questions, giving you tips on summer tree care, and uh, probably giving away a few answers, too, for the Garden Grappler that'll be happening at 11 o'clock. There is a clue available at FarmerFred.com as well as at the Get Growing with Farmer Fred Facebook page beneath the description of today's show. Back to the phones we go, and let's go over to Woodland, talk with Gene. Gene, thanks for giving us a call today. Hi, Hi Fred. Thanks Hi. for taking my call. You sure. Hey, okay, so this is what I got. I've got 17 Italian cypress trees. Why? Five years old. Why? Why do you have 17 Italian <laughs> cypress trees? Well, I had a momentary lapse of sanity, okay? <laughs> <laughs> and you told me not to do this because I consulted you before I planned it. Oh, so, okay. You know, all right. It's all my fault. All right. Okay, so what I've got is they're all growing. They're growing really well, but this year they've got they're turning brown on the sides of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I told you about that. I'm sure I did. <laughs> Damn, I think you did. <laughs> oh, so, how many uh, problems do, I... do Cypress have? Let's count the ways. <laughs> uh, several disease issues, twig borers, yeah. um, mites. Um, mites could be in, uh, mites might be the, might, might be the, yes, <laughs> I I can't even say that. Mites could be the reason. Mites could be the reason and might be the most logical reason to start with. Looking, mm-hmm. um, You can reach the brown branches? Yeah, I, the trees are only about maybe eight feet tall. I keep them trimmed because, oh, gee, I planted them under wires. <laughs> okay, well, <laughs> did you tell Fred that also? Uh, well, no. Why, okay. are you, why are you aging me prematurely, Gene? <laughs> One thing's I'm I would, sorry. One thing I would do is get get a sheet of white paper, go out to the branch and and basically knock the slap the branch onto the white paper. Okay. Okay. If there's mites in there, you're going to knock the mites onto the white paper. Um, it can be a little tricky to do at times, but and then just I just stand and stare at the dust. Yeah. I'll I'll, I'll blow it really lightly to blow off some of the dust, and then just watch and see if you get movement. It may take. You know, thirty seconds a minute because the mites sometimes won't move right away. But and um, and 
you might only have a few mites on there, and that's not really an infestation. But just watch to see if something's moving. And, um, and if you have a lot of them moving around, then you've got a mite infestation. I mean, it's a simple, it's a white paper test. Yeah, or a white piece of cardboard, maybe something stiff yeah. that you can hold level easily. Yeah, if it's white, a piece of white paper by itself has to be like on the palm of your hand and just, you know, yeah. it, it's got to be practical to do. Right. But, but slapping, you know, slapping the branch onto white paper is a common way to see if there's mites. So it, okay. it wouldn't be weather related? I, I try to blame everything on July. Yeah, we can go back to, <laughs> yeah, it just, it's hot too. Yeah. I mean, Italian cypress are used to, you know, their natural condition is, is out in the, you know the the open rocky slopes of in in southern Europe, so they're they're used to a dryish condition, but then it can just get too dry. So you know, uh, is it just on the sides? Is it all the way around the plant? It seems to be on the eastern side, it, where the uh, rising sun gets it. And well, like I said, the trees are growing fairly well. I mean, there's a lot of new growth on them. Yeah, that's a double-edged sword, though, that morning sun, yes, but also it gets afternoon shade, which may be more of a conducive environment for the mites. Actually, I don't think it does get afternoon sun, but the side that's turning brown is the morning sun side. Right, yeah. It does, it does get afternoon sun, full on. Yeah, except for the east side. Right, exactly. Yeah, so... But it, if the tree is growing, you've got new growth on it, then the overall conditions, soil, you know, uh, fur, food, uh, water, are probably fine for it. It may be that, that you've got a disease issue. Uh, if it's twig bore, most likely you're just going to see individual twigs dying. If it's sort of across the whole, the whole side, uh, I check for mites first. It could be a disease And what do issue. I do if it is mites? You get a miticide. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, oh, I mean, okay. <laughs> well, m- mites like w- hot, dry conditions. Yeah. You know, dusty conditions, ah. and so, mm-hmm. um, and, and mites will go. You know, I mean, it come through the winter. It'll it'll go away. It'll come back. It'll go away. It'll come back. In the nursery, we have mites on Italian cypress. Uh, we we have to spray for them regularly. We we have to to we monitor it. When we start seeing a population or start seeing um, an increase, then we spray for it. Yeah, that's your so, livelihood, though. Yeah, no. but but it but mites are common. For the homeowner, can a blast of water solve the issue? Not really. I mean, you're going to have to live with it. A blast of water will will get rid of some. Yeah, but they're they're clingy. There's lots of them if it's a good size infestation. So it's it's hard to get rid of without a, using a miticide. Yeah. But it may just it just may be something you live with. Now, would it be a systemic, or would I have to spray? Brings an issue because my back neighbors have chickens. What you have available to you that you can use most likely is going to be a spray. Uh, I don't know okay. if a systemic miticide that you're going to be able to buy um, off the shelf. Yeah, that's the other thing to consider too. If you are thinking about a systemic something that you would pour around the outskirts of the tree uh, in the ground to kill a sucking insect is if the pest is not listed on the label, it will not control that pest. (laughs) And a lot of people make the assumption when they buy a pesticide an insecticide that, well, if it works on aphids, it'll work on uh, tomato worms. And no, it doesn't work that way. And and also when you get these, you get these, this pest, pest predator or pest, um, prey, uh, relationship. In other words, um, Mites will be fed on by other insects and other mites. So you may have beneficials yeah. that will come in there, and, and they won't get rid of the entire population, but they will reduce the population, and then you know, the new growth will come out. You can also prune off some of the branches and just remove them, you know, shear it lightly, and that will decrease the population a little bit. But it, first of all, if it, that's if it's mites. But um, there's not much you – I would basically live with it. Just let it outgrow itself. 
Okay. I mean, All right. I'll live with it yeah. until, till if or when the trees actually start to, to die, and then I'll take them out. Mites aren't going to kill them. The, the sure mi- looks that way. <laughs> well, yeah, see, that's the problem. It, it's, uh, it's a problem plant. And what do we do with problem plants? Oh, we cut them we out. We get yes. rid of them. Yeah. <laughs> but you've got new growth all around it. So that, that's the, the, con- the counter to it is that if it's producing new growth, then overall condition is happy. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But try that white paper test, Gene, and see if that works. All right. We'll do. Thanks, Fred. All right. Good luck. All right. Thank you. Yes. Bye-bye. Oh, Italian cypress trees. And and people try to plant those as privacy screens. Right. And they're just they're it's not a tree that gets very wide, so you're you're kind of defeating the purpose as a privacy screen. Yeah. And then I, and we get calls for people uh, from landscape architects and, and designers in San Francisco that want to have they've got three foot of width or four foot of width and they want to have something that's fifteen to twenty feet tall as a screen. Well the holy grail. There basically is what you're yeah. talking and, about. And and yeah. and you, you know Italian cypress is the only thing that grows like that. But the other thing is that it takes forever to get that height. So, well, since you brought it up, I think that is a good subject to explore. Everybody wants a quick-growing privacy screen to block the view of their second-story neighbors. It has to be for a narrow area next to a fence. In other words, a tree that does not exist. However, there are narrow-growing trees that are mostly upright. What are the latest and greatest in that? Well, the most common items, and it, and it uh, there's a, there's several factors involved. S- many screens that we sell that are the, the, the very common screens used in, in landscape construction, uh, if it's 20 foot tall, it may be 20 feet wide, and then it has mm. to be maintained. Right. So there are are trees that and, and shrubs, let's say, plants that will grow 20 feet wide and may only go 4 feet or, fi- or 20 feet tall and only go 4 or 5 feet wide. So it very much depends on what you want to have. Do you want to maintain it? Do you mind if it gets wide? You know, are you looking for something that has to stay narrow? Um, one of the ones that we sell um, sell a lot of are uh, Thuja emeralds. Thuja, T-H-U-J-A. T-H-U-J-A, and it's the most common screening plant used up in the Pacific Northwest. This ain't the Pacific Northwest. Yeah. Well, sometimes we wish. Again, yes. it's one of those issues of, of you know still having Pacific Northwest plants come down. It's being used more and more here because it is— not necessarily a drought-tolerant plant, but it is a very tough um, little plant with few problems. Mm-hmm. grows maybe to 20 feet tall. There are other varieties. Some grow taller, but you can get a, a nice 20-foot screen out of it, maybe four or five feet wide. Not real fast, but, but beautiful color um, and just a, a very reliable screen. We is it a thirsty plant? It's not thirsty, but it's a moderate water. It's not a drought-tolerant. Okay. I mean, we've, we... We sold several. We sold probably two hundred of them to a, a job in Beverly Hills. Mm-hmm. That you know, so it goes. It, it can be used all through California. Um, that's a very good one. Um, Podocarpus gracilia. Podocarpus. Okay, fern pine. Mm-hmm. Um, Podocarpus is a sixty-foot tall tree, but it is pruned and maintained to be a screen, narrow, wide, short, tall. Put on a trellis. Uh, there's a house in Lodi that has a the homeowner put a 20 foot tall steel trellis across his backyard, <laughs> and he's got it covered with podocarpus, and he just maintains it. Has a gardener maintaining it, keeps it, the top maintained, the his side maintained, and goes around to the other side to the neighbor's yard and maintains that. Not a zoning issue putting up a 20 foot 
trellis. Well, he's he's got a big enough house where they can't see that, I guess. Right, so okay. yeah, yeah. But it's it's it, it's a it's a big metal trellis, and and a podocarpus is a out in the Sacramento Valley will be frost tender. Mm-hmm. It'll nip back in the Bay Area. will do fine. But again, it's it's one of the most popular screens we sell. We sell them as trellises. We sell them as standard trees. We sell them as as low branch trees. How far apart do you have to plant them to have a screening effect? All depends how fast the screen you want to have. I mean, they'll they get it's a, they can easily get, um, you know, five, six, seven, eight feet wide, ten feet wide, depending on how how you maintain them. Okay, if you so like I said, a sixty foot tall tree could be thirty feet wide as a mm-hmm. as that full size tree. They're relatively fast growing. Just have to expect that if you're going to plant them in the Sacramento Valley, you're going to get some frost burn back mm-hmm. on them. Good way of not answering the question, Jeff. How far apart would you plant? The uh, podocarpus. So the answer, the answer, and again, this is going to be the same cryptic answer. <laughs> Sa- the same thing I say is, how soon do you want to have it screened off? And we, 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 if we sell a 15-gallon podocarpus, which mm-hmm. is the most common size to be used, maybe two and a half to three feet wide, okay? And by the next year, maybe four or five feet wide. You know, so it's, it depends how fast you want to have a screen. If you want to have it that it's instant, you plant them leaf to leaf. If you want to have it that next by next summer, then you can probably give it a foot or two foot of width and be fine. So you may want to plant them four to five foot on center for the first year, and by the next summer, it depends on how much money you have, mm-hmm. what you want to spend, and, and what kind of result you want to have. I'll go six feet. How's that? I'll give you that one. Okay, thanks. Uh, just for, it'll make the tree happy in the long run, too. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It, it, what some people will do is they'll plant them close, and then they'll remove, as they start growing in, they'll remove every second one. Mm. You know, these are the Hillsboro and Atherton residences where they can afford to do that. Yes. We, we sell 36-inch box trees that are 15 feet tall as screens to Hillsboro and Atherton <laughs> that are planted box to box. That's what, that's where you get an instant screen, yeah. a big, tall instant screen, and, and you can afford to do it. Now, I had heard, maybe you can verify this or not, that if you took a five-gallon, let's say a red oak, and a 15-gallon red oak, 15-gallon red oak would be of a greater, much greater height than the 5-gallon one, that if you planted the two side by side, they would eventually be the same height. Actually, the 5-gallon one may grow a little quicker than the 15-gallon one. I, unless there's, there's some literature to support that, I don't think that's correct. Okay. I, it, I mean, it depends too much on the conditions, what the tree was like. If you plant a root-bound 15 versus a, a, a five-gallon that's rooted just perfectly, mm-hmm. you'll get some catch-up. But um, it's, it's, it, they're not going to catch. One's not going to grow. Uh, you may catch the height, but you won't catch the overall mass. Right. In other words, five gallons going to reach, and it's going to try to get to the height. And the bigger tree is the 15-gallon is putting on – it's growing slower upright mm-hmm. because it's putting on more mass on, on more more branches, more width, so overall mass won't catch up. You might catch the height up. Yeah, you know, and that depends what you what you do with the tree. But you know, if you just let it grow, shoot up, and and don't try to produce branching on it. Is there any real advantage though to planting a box tree a, in a from a twenty six or bigger box than a fifteen gallon tree? Well, it depends on the size you're selling. I mean, a fifteen yeah. gallon tree typically could be eight nine feet tall. Mm-hmm. A twenty four the same could be twenty four inch box could be. 10 to 12 feet tall. It's instant landscape. I, yeah. you know, I, I want to have, a, part of it is the caliper of the tree, the strength of the trunk. Mm-hmm. A 24 inch box will withstand wind and, and uh, people issues better than a 15 may. 
So you want to have a more sturdy tree. We sell trees in Reno that have to have a certain caliper, a certain thickness of trunk because of snow, a storm, and, and, and snow. Uh, they, you know, in cold temperatures, right. they want to have a thicker trunk to protect. So they, or in, in the Colorado, you've got to plant, you've got trees that have to be able to absorb snow load, so they have to be bigger. Yeah. So that that's part of the issue. But uh, the other part of the issue is what's happening underground. As far as in a box, aren't you more likely? Because I bet box trees tend to sit at the nursery a little longer than 15s, and that box tree could develop some rooting issues. N- n- yeah, you could in, in both 15s and 24s. Generally. In the nursery industry, we sell things before they're fully rooted mm. plants because the demand is so high. So, and uh, we cut the roots on everything that we plant. We cut the, you know, if we take a 15 to a 24, we cut the roots. Mm-hmm. 24 to a 36 inch box, we cut the roots. So the root development is much better. Um, when you have a round can, the roots hit the edge of the can and they circle. When you hit a box, they generally go down or they, they, they'll go to a corner and then they'll go down or, um, so you get you can have a better rooting in the box. And a, a contractor who plants, a landscape contractor, a lot of times they don't do anything to the roots. So you get the same result, whether it's a 15 or a 24. The roots aren't touched. They just get dumped into the hole. Right. But uh, the, the, you can have a root-bound 15 and a root-bound 24. When you go to a nursery to buy a tree, you need to look at the roots. You need to take it out of the container if you can. If it's a 15, you can. If it's a 24-inch box, you can't necessarily. No. You can ask them to cut the banding. They probably won't. Yeah. But you really need to inspect the roots. You can tell, though, by digging into the top of a 24-inch box, if it's a mass of roots and it's, it, it be hesitant. Yeah, you wouldn't have any digging ability, basically, if there's a big root right. mass there. Yeah. The standard is for a 24-inch box tree, the standard's always been that the trunk is 2 inches, 6 inches above the soil. You go 6 inches above the soil, you have a 2-inch thick caliper. That's in the olden days when mm-hmm. you and I were not gray-haired. Yes. Now it's going to be inch, inch and a half. Hmm. If you go and buy it, look to get a 24-inch box tree, and that caliper, the trunk thickness, six inches above the soil, is two inches, two and a half inches, three inches, that will be a root-bound tree most likely. All right. And that would be something you want to be careful about. In a 15-gallon, one inch was the standard. So if it's over one inch to two inch, depending on the tree, you know, inch and a half to two inch. Six inches above the soil line. Six inches above the soil line. Okay. No matter if it's grafted or whatever, six yeah. inches above the soil line. All right. But just be hesitant. Just watch. Make right. sure you check the rooting. Good tip. One inch uh, for 15s, and that's the old standard. Now it's yeah. three quarter inch for a 15 is pretty much normal. Yeah, and but I'm saying if it's above uh, yeah, three it, quarters of one inch, be suspicious. Yes, in be a suspicious. Yeah. Okay, all right. We have to take a break. I mean, Terry's looking at me like, when are you going to take a break? Why should I talk to anybody wearing a Manchester United jersey? That's what I want to know. But he is, for whatever reason. And we'll find out, probably, as we continue with Get Growing on Talk 650 KSTE. Get Growing continues with Farmer Fred. Talk 650 KSTE. Here again, Fred Hoffman. Talking trees with Jeff Gravish from Bothing Treeland Farms in the Lodi area. Is it a Lodi address or is it a Victor address? A Lodi address. Okay, or we're, a Clements we're, address. We're way out there. Yes, you are. But it's a Lodi address. All right. And uh, knows his trees, so that's why we're answering tree questions today, among others. Hell, I just heard a cat, Pamela. Yes, I'm so sorry. She is my um, apprentice arborist, okay. actually. Well, what's, I, the, what's the cat's name? I, Phoebe. Phoebe. Okay. Hi, Phoebe. Yeah. I started looking around the floor here. I think <laughs> yeah. we were missing something. 
All right. Well, I mean, most people who call in the show have a chicken sitting on their lap. So uh, apparently we're, we, we've moved up in class a bit to to cats. So, OK. Well, while I was waiting, I did feed the chickens, but I moved oh. away, you know, because I didn't didn't want to add that sound effect. Oh, um, I miss that. Oh, yeah. OK. Go ahead, Pamela. Um, first, uh, thank you for honoring Chuck Ingalls. I have the Home Orchard book that he authored, and I think of it as my fruit tree Bible. So thank you for your kind words about Chuck Ingalls. Thank you. We did that over on the KFBK Garden Show, and coming up on the KSTE Farm Hour between noon and 1 o'clock, we have another tribute uh, for the late Sacramento Farm Advisor, uh, Chuck Ingalls, so you can hear that between 12 and 1, or you can go back and listen to the podcast of today's KFBK Garden Show, if anybody missed that. But thanks for remembering. <laughs> you bet. Uh, two questions, one uh, left over from the, the previous show. Um, you mentioned you recommended Trumpet Vine, and yet my current experiences are nightmarish with the shoots that the trump- Trumpet Vine provides, <laughs> if you will. So... Just just wanting you to shed a little light on that before I get to my eastern redbud question. Are you talking about the new growth coming out? Yes. Yeah. Well, in the ground, you know, I have all these shoots popping up uh, from the trumpet vine. It's a nightmare. Is, is uh, trumpet vine grafted, Jeff? No. no? Okay. No. So, but it, it could easily be root, root sprouting. Yeah. Um, I don't have that experience. But then, you know, a lot of other vines do that. Um Bougainvillea will also. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, it just, it, nothing is perfect. So there's always going to be some issue <laughs> with, you know, it's trumpet vines just have so many other redeeming values, let's say that. Uh, and the scale of plants, you know, it's probably, you know, 80% good, 20% bad. You know. I love it because it shades, in the summer, it shades part of the uh, outdoor chicken coop. And, of course, being deciduous, then they get the light in that area. So that has been its redeeming quality. Um, so thank you for that. My no, well, eastern wait, red wait, bud. Wait, wait, before, we, to, before we go yes, on, let's talk a little yes, bit sir. more about this trumpet vine that may not be a trumpet vine. Well, no, there's. I think it's, oh. it's McFadden, I think, is deciduous. So what, what color flowers does it have? Uh, orangish red. McFadden, yeah. Oh, really? It's a cat's claw? Yeah. Okay, and a cat's claw is deciduous? Yeah. All right. Uh, it, you know, to my brain cell memory, yes. Okay. I remember I wanted to buy a cat's claw once, and what I got sold was a Carolina jessamine. That's what it turned out to be. It's, it was a better plant. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was a better plant. But, but yeah, McFadiana will, will, will root sprout. Yeah. I mean, they'll, 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 the, the ones we're talking about, the, the preferred trumpet vines are the, you know, the Scarlet trumpet vine and the violet trumpet, or yeah. the, and the violet trumpet vine. Those are the better ones and the more common ones. So Pamela Phoebe would really appreciate the plant you have because its botanical Good name point. is Macfedyena unguiscati, or cati. I appreciate the cat's claw reference. So there you go. Uh, it all ties together now. <laughs> um, my eastern redbud. Um, which I would love to blame on July, but uh, undoubtedly it was due to something that I did or didn't do. Um, I believe it may be of, may have been impacted to its detriment by the by the drought, and I believe I had have wood borers. And as much as I don't want to do um, shovel pruning, I have a feeling that uh, unless someone can give me a solution for wood borers, what do I do? So why do you think wood borers? You have... I have uh, uh, branch dieback. The leaves aren't looking very healthy. 
there are some boreholes, and there's um, not only on the trunk, but on some branches there is peelback. Okay. The peelback may not be related to that, just maybe because the, the branch is dying and the bark is just peeling off. But you, you say you have boreholes. So have yeah. you... Have you cut the branch at all to look uh, to see if there's, you know, to, to scrape away the bark to see what you have underneath it? Yeah. Look for tunnels. I did not yet. Okay. Tunnels. Okay. Yeah, because uh, the, when you see holes, it could be any number of reasons. It could be sap suckers or, or yeah. woodpeckers, for one thing. Do you see any sap running from the holes? No. Well, and how big a branch are you talking about? Are you talking about half inch, quarter inch, one inch? Uh, the branches are probably one and a half to two inches. Okay, because... The trunk is... Go ahead. Well, sorry. I was, I'm sorry. I was going to say, I mean, you need some width for bores to be, to be able to, to work. A real thin branch, a, a, depending on the type of, like a, a bark beetle bore, or a flat, you know, not to get technical, flat-headed bores or round-headed bores, they need some, you know, some thickness of, of branch or trunk to be able to work. Otherwise, it's just, it's too thin. There's, there's not enough area for them to, to really go in and, and bore. Would there be frass at the base? Um, there could be. I mean, it may be falling out. Maybe emergence holes. You know, yeah. how big is the holes? Like a BB or is it uh, bigger? Um, they are larger than a BB and they're elongated. And I take that back about the size of the trunk. It's more like a four inch. And then the branches that are impacted by the bark peel back are probably two inch. And so, it's, it's throughout the tree. It's out to, it's on nearly all the branches. So if it's, it's sort of an oval shape, it's not a round shape. Correct. Okay. The bore holes, yes. All right. So that, that quite possibly is a flat-headed bore. Hmm. Uh, you know, a uh, flat-headed bore, um, and that may, it may just be a cyclic thing. It may just be that it's this season. It may be that it doesn't come back. Um, it may be that the tree will outgrow it. You know, that if you have some branches that are dying, you might be able to prune those branches off. Okay. The eastern redbud is not an ideal tree for this area. You know, it's okay. hence, hence, you know, eastern New England, mm-hmm. you know, Canada. You know, it's, it's Circus canadensis. But it is more tree-shaped as opposed to the western redbud, which is more shrub-like. Yeah, at, at, but there are standard western redbuds. Western red, what, the western redbud is a whole other story because it doesn't want to be a tree, but we make it into a tree. Right, like and it has, myrtle. Yeah, and it has a lot of issues. Um, there is Circus texensis, mm-hmm. the Oklahoma redbud. You know, you can go by several different names, which is a much better tree. If you were going to take out your eastern redbud, you might try the Oklahoma redbud to replace it. It's, a, it's not going to be quite as big, but it's a much prettier tree. It has some nicer flowers. But you got a tree that, that's not native that may be stressed due to the drought. And because it's right. stressed, it, it, you know, flat-headed boars got in there. Um, mm-hmm. doesn't mean that the tree's going to die. They, they do their work. They emerge. They may not come back. They may come back. And you may just need to prune the branches off that are failing. Uh, if the whole tree's failing, that's a different story. So, again, you may want to scrape back the bark where you see the holes and see if you see tunnels. Right. That would be a telltale sign of borers. Okay. Yeah, you're gonna have to scrape, you know, just scrape back around the the elongated hole. You may have to scrape deep, but what you'll see generally is some sort of engraving in there, and it might be packed with which, you know, what they call frass or um, the the. Is there a technical name for it? 
<laughs> I don't want to get it. You know, I, I, I'm trying not to say the wrong thing here when I describe frass, but it's it's what the after they chew the wood is what they produce yeah, at the other end. It's wet sawdust, basically. Yeah, yes, let's put it that way. Yeah, yeah but they, it gets you'll you'll see something that will be unusual. Let's put it that way. Pamela, we have to run. We have to run here. Yeah, thank you. All thank right. you so much for taking my call. Bye, Pamela. Bye, Phoebe. All right. It's, <laughs> we'll take a short break. <laughs> More Get Growing on Talk 650 KSTE. You're listening to Get Growing with Farmer Fred. Talk 650 KSTE. Here again, Fred Hoffman. Garden Grappler coming up in a few minutes. A chance for you to pick up a prize or two from the Farmer Fred prize closet. And uh, there is a clue available at FarmerFred.com. Just look for the phrase beneath today's guest list of a clue for the Garden Grappler. And also on the Get Growing with Farmer Fred Facebook page. In the description of today's guest, Jeff Gravish, you will find in the comments section a clue for the Garden Grappler to help you out. It, it, it will be tree-related, let me assure you, because uh, Jeff will be uh, judging the quality of your answers. Jeff Gravish from Bothing Treeland Farms in Lodi. Jeff, why do you hate Japanese maples? I Okay, so I, hate, I, I have a lot of personal preferences for my 40 years of tree work, let's say. Um, I think they're overused, mm-hmm. um, especially in, in the Bay Area. Where they belong is uh, Lewis and Clark College in Oregon, where it is, they have the most beautiful landscape with Japanese trees and rhododendrons and pieris. They don't, they don't belong in Sacramento. Um, the number one problem that I see, in, especially in Lodi, is verticillium wilt. Mm, yeah. And, yeah. And they are very prone to verticillium wilt. And, and in my area, I've got, you know, I see Japanese maples with branches dying back on a regular basis. Uh, my own. I had one that I planted in my own yard, which I I don't know why. Somebody gave it to me free, so I planted it, and it was a more unusual variety, and it died from verticillium wilt, and I ripped it out. So verticillium wilt, which affects lots of trees and lots of other plants. And there is no cure. And there is no cure. It's a soil-borne disease. Mm-hmm. that is no treatment, no cure, except to cut out the branch and, and try to keep the tree healthy. But in my area of Lodi, there are Japanese maples that die back consistently, including pistachias and camphers and olives and other trees. Um, it's just not a good Central Valley tree. It's Bay Area. It's better. But uh, I see locations where they, you know, it's just such a common tree. It's almost like a crepe myrtle in the Bay Area, in the Valley here is, is used in the Bay Area. You see them in so mm-hmm. many landscapes. Out here, they they don't do well as far as, uh, you know, heat and, yeah. and dry temperatures, especially this time of year. Now, conversely, the, uh, the crepe myrtle actually is a good tree for our area as far as its adaptability. Just overused. It's just overused. But, yeah. you know, if it's successful, why not? Yeah, well, it, it, it's, again, I always call crepe myrtles a, a bush on a stick because mm-hmm. you, can do, you, you can do things architecturally to them that you wouldn't want to do to a, 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 a tree that you want to have, you know, good structure to. You can pollard them. You can you can make them into anything you want. You can just chop them in any way. They rebloom. Crepe myrtles are great because they rebloom. At this time of year, they get aphids. This is the time yes. where they're going to get an aphid bloom because aphids are smart and they know they re- need to reproduce now so that they have a big population to last through the winter. So you just have crepe myrtles full of aphids at this time of year. And Love you have them. a driveway full of pink blossoms. Yep, yep. But um, but I. I I'm just not a fan of Japanese maples because I think they tend to, out here especially, tend to look poorly on a regular basis, and um, it's just not the right location. And the verticillium mold, I think, is a significant problem. There are some nurseries that are marketing Japanese maples for full sun. 
Japanese maple can take full sun out here. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, again, th- this time of year when the leaves start, you know, the, the leaves have, have have some age on them, and you start getting hot, dry winds, you're going to get mm-hmm. you're going to get some leaf damage. You 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 can put up with that if you want to have a Japanese maple. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the two most popular Japanese maples sold to the landscape construction industry are the <clears throat> the regular. Acer palmatum, the green Japanese maple. Mm-hmm. Wait, is that the like the Tobiosho? No, just a, it's just a variety. It's oh. just the species. Okay. And then the Sangokaku variety. Mm-hmm. Sangokaku is a beautiful tree. Coral bark, uh, especially when it's wet, is, is spectacular in winter and, and early spring. Has very poor structure. Has very narrow angles of attachment. The, the branches can split easily. So st- structurally, that's another issue. Is Japanese maples can be weakly branched. You know, sort of a, a weak structure tree, so it's it's a very much a focused specimen, but you have to be very careful with them. Now, there are probably hundreds of varieties. There's so many more varieties than I can count, um, and and there's some nurseries that specialize in them. So I'm just saying, I'm dealing mostly with specimen Japanese maples. You know, the not the smaller dwarf varieties that that have variegated leaves or unusual shapes or do lots of really cool things so that you can bonsai. I'm just talking about you know, the, the ones that will be a big specimen plant in a landscape, um, or there'll be rows of them, or they'll just stuff them yeah. every place. Right. Well, yes. So for commercial applications. Commercial applications, yeah. yeah. Just For residents, it's one thing, but for commercial applications, it's just not a great tree to use. All right. We have to take a break for news. When we come back, it's Garden Grappler time, a chance for you to pick up a prize or two from the Farmer Fred Prize Closet. Yes, it will be a tree question. Clue available at FarmerFred.com and the Get Growing with Farmer Fred Facebook page. So we'll get that going right after the news. More with Jeff Gravish as well. Also, we'll talk with Warren Roberts out at the UC Davis Arboretum as Get Growing continues on KSTE. Get Growing continues with Farmer Fred. Talk 650 KSTE. Here again, Fred Hoffman. All right, it's Garden Grappler time. A chance for you to pick up a prize or two from the Farmer Fred Prize Closet if you're up on your trees. We are in August, the hot time of the year. So name a tree that begins with one of the letters from the word August. I will be kind to you. If a letter gets used and somebody else has a different tree from that same letter, you can use that letter again. Normally in these uh, word games that we do on the Garden Grappler, sometimes if a letter from the word is used, it's out of the game. No, this time the letter remains in the game because I know that The U might be a little tough for you. So name a tree that begins with one of the letters from the word August, A-U-G-U-S-T. All five callers get a prize, special bonus prize for caller five, and of course, psychic bonus points if you use the botanical name. Just for your record, you know. And people have been asking and saying, Fred, will those psychic bonus points put me at the head of the line at a DMV office? Uh, it used to, but I don't know anymore if it will or not. Anyway. I think it puts you in the first 100 people, probably. <laughs> yes. Maybe they'll let you wait indoors instead of going out the door. All right. So name a tree that begins with one of the letters from the word August. Jeff Graphic, uh, Jeff Graphic, Jeff Gravish is here from Bothing Treeland Farms, and he will be judging the quality of your answers. The number is to call 916-576-1578. 916-576-1578 or 866-331-8255, 866-331-8255. Name a tree that begins with just one of the letters 
from the word August. There are at least five letters to choose from there. First five correct callers win something. So there. There's two U's. Yeah, see, that's the issue there is the U. Confused me completely. Yeah, and maybe you'll get double psychic bonus points if you use the U. Well, because I sat here and I thought... I can only think of one you. Yeah. And then you pointed out another one, and, and then I felt really foolish. Well, I don't know. That's just, that's uh, whatever. Anyway, uh, let's delve into the email before we get to the answers. Steve from Rockland writes in, Do you have any tips on pruning a juniper shrub gone awry? Really want to groom it back so the ground shows the main trunks and the greenishness on top. I always thought pruning a juniper meant it would never re-sprout again. But I guess maybe if you do it at the tips, it will re-sprout? Yeah, if you cut back into to old wood, you you might get some breaks, but you're not going to get as much as if you were cutting into to younger wood, you know, thinner wood. I mean, if you're cutting into you know a, a one-inch trunk, one-inch branch or in mm-hmm. the trunk, um, you'll, you could easily get some, some new growth coming out, but it's body. So you, you really have to – they really like shearing more than heavy mm-hmm. pruning. So in this case, I mean, what he wants to accomplish sounds like that would be perfect for it. Is when you're cutting back the green, leave some of the green. Yeah, that way you know it's living wood. Yeah, there's, um, there. Oh, I forgot what it's called. There's a somebody taught me a long time ago when you're pruning, you need to leave leave something alive. You know, if you cut 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 all the green growth off, mm-hmm. you could easily there's just not enough green to support uh, the the roots start. You know, there's not enough. Um, uh, potential for evapotranspiration, you get you, the, the plant will die. So you always want to leave sort of a a uh, a branch that is solid that that can grow out, and then that will that will improve. In the nursery, we do that. We don't prune, we don't shear back everything. You know, cut back the green growth. We have to cut back something hard. We leave a, a branch. I forgot what, it's, what the term was now, but uh, that's because I'm old. I got mad at a Zutano avocado. I'm trying to grow two avocado trees in Folsom because in this area, this narrow side yard gets a lot of reflected south-facing heat from the wall. And I'm thinking, okay, maybe this is the place where I can now commiserate with those of you that are successfully growing avocado trees in our area. So the Mexicola is doing fine. The Zutano just lost its leaves. So I figured, okay, maybe this isn't such a happy area for it. So basically I cut the tree in half down to nothing and replanted it in another part of the yard and sure enough it's sprouting all throughout the the main branch now Mm -hmm. because i'm i don't know just lucky (laughs) yeah i mean you i i move things around my yard all the time in the heat of summer i'll go home today and i'll move something and uh, and i have a lot of success with it. it but if you take if you prune back all the growth you leave no leaves on a plant Mm -hmm. to move it in the middle of summer, you take an increasing chance of losing it. Right. So, you know, you can, you can bare root it. You can do that when it's dormant, depending on what the plant is. But in, in summer, it's more difficult. I don't know when an avocado would be dormant. And no, not the avocado. Yeah. But uh, so basically, I'm just punishing it. Yeah. Old nurserymen like us, we just pick up things all the time and move them and try them someplace else. And yeah. Say, if it doesn't work, we throw it away. Exactly. And actually, if you mulch the area fairly well you're maintaining soil moisture and, and moderating soil temperature and that helps in the uh, transitional yeah if, if, and if it's and if you've got good moisture in the plant before you move it which is key then then uh, if it's dry that's that's gonna make it more difficult because it can't take up water right 
All right, let's uh, grab some answers here and maybe a question or two from uh, the people calling in to uh, answer the question. Name a tree that begins with one of the letters from the word August. And Lynn and Alta actually called in before the contest began, but if if you've got an answer, Lynn, we can uh, play along with you and answer your question as well. How are you today? I'm well, thank you. How are you? Doing fine. Thanks for calling in. Thank you. Uh, do you want answer or question? Oh, give me an answer first. first. What the heck? Go ahead. Give okay. me. A- There'll be a double answer using the same letter because I live in Alta and I want to grow avocados. Oh, yeah. Hey, I guess I gave away an answer, didn't I? <laughs> I know. Yeah. Wow. Fred, where's your brain? You need more coffee, Fred. I'll give I'll give it don't my, don't my actual answer No 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 don't don't mention one don't, let's just go with avocado because I deserve the pain okay. and embarrassment Okay Avocado yes I can see the shock and embarrassment on your face right now Yeah exactly yes for giving away an answer you like red that Red faced Yeah I am red faced That's because I was oh. biking yesterday That's a natural condition Yeah So anyway Lynn you had a question though I do have a question So when we moved up we moved up here 3 4 years ago to Alta from Colfax. Yeah, big move. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, there were lilacs just growing everywhere. They grew beautifully, but they were overgrown. So we cut them back. They have not bloomed in two years since we cut them back. Do you uh, have uh, any idea why? I've grown lilacs my whole life. I've never known this to happen. I'm ready to rip them out. When did you prune them back? It was two and a half years ago. What season was it? Oh, good God. I know. Uh, That's what I'm here for. Spring? Well, that may not have been a wise choice. Yeah, it was what the gardener did. Anyway, I thought, yeah, they cut off, you know, the new growth. They, maybe they bloom on, you know, next year's growth. But that's why years? that's why we have Jeff Gravish here. I know that's why yeah. I'm calling. Okay. Oh, so now you're asking somebody who grows lilacs, but really is not a, a lilac expert. I mean, I'm sure they probably grow on new wood, or bloom on new I wood. Think they do, yeah. yeah. And yeah. so pruning off the new wood, pruning them in early spring is going to take off the potential flowering. But you said you've grown them successfully before. Have you? Were they pruned at the same time before? No, successfully before. The, we didn't prune heavily. These were pruned heavily. Yeah, I mean, they, they still maybe need some time to recover. But also, I'm pruning timing on things like hydrangeas, lilacs. You know, spring spring flowering plants versus summer flowering plants. It's really important if you want to have flowers to know when it's you know, what it blooms on, you know, first year wood, second year wood, it, uh, that really, that'll make every, all the difference right there. So if it's first year wood, it would be prune after bloom. Yes. Okay. So basically, and when does the lilac bloom? Summer, right? Here, um, late spring. Late spring. Okay. So basically you'd be doing a June or July pruning on that. Yeah. All right. So I'm thinking mine are on third year bloom, third year wood. So, okay, well, I'll do a little more research. Well, thank you. Well, I'm, uh, I'm, yeah, I'll they're research that free. too. All right. Yeah, key, key, I mean, the key thing is that if they're blooming on, on 
uh, new wood that you want to make sure that you're they're they're blooming on new wood. Don't prune the new wood until after bloom. So there we go. Yeah, I think it was just a whack it back kind of. Uh, you know, there are other plants for that purpose is when you're mad at people at work or whatever and you want to take it out in your plants. Uh, go for the roses. They're probably the most forgiving plant when it comes to pruning. Exactly. The other thing to oh, remember... I have, a, I have another quick question. So I do have a red bud. They don't bloom very well. Is there a red bud at the 4,000-foot elevation that does better than another? What kind of red bud? Is it a, a native red bud? The, the shrubby it's something one. Something that's growing in the ground when I bought it. Is it a shrub? When I bought the house. Kind of shrubby. Yes, very shrubby. And that'd be a western red bud. Yeah, western red bud, Acercus occidentalis. Um, if it's growing there naturally, it's gonna then that's it, it. It's it's surviving in a natural condition. Four thousand might. I'm not sure if that's a little too high for it because um, be some snow on it. But uh, if it's growing there on the ground, it's fine. It it just may not be blooming because it's it's it's. In the natural condition, it might be just a little bit tough time for it. The soil might not be right, might not be getting enough moisture. You know, it's a drought, relatively drought-tolerant plant, but they're funny. They're, they're fussy plants. I've seen them blooming around Placerville, but that's about 3,000 feet or so. So I don't know if 4,000 feet, if that's the cutoff point. Yeah, I don't know either. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, it might stretch past that, but again, if it's in the ground and it's alive and it's growing, uh, it just and it maybe you have a really rocky soil. Maybe it's not getting any extra moisture when it you know it, it does need some moisture. Now you you may have a thunderstorm that rolls through and it gives it some sometimes, but um, naturally it should do it should bloom. So give it time. Climate change will catch up with you. It it does bloom. It's just not as spectacular as what I've seen like down in Grass Valley. So it could be the altitude. Yeah, and and. The Circus occidentalis is not a really a spectacular blooming red bud. Um, there are others that uh, the Canadensis blooms ni- blooms nicer. Uh, the Oklahoma is a spectacular blooming one. Is that an occidentalis or a Canadensis? No, it's it's technically Texensis. Okay, Texensis. So there's also Circus mexicana. So mm-hmm. there's you know there's others out there, and there's just a lot of new cultivars. There's you know there's ones that bloom white. There's ones that weep. There's ones that that are purple. Uh, Force pansy. Circus forest pansy is a beautiful one. Doesn't do well in the valley because it's purple leaf and it'll burn up. Mm-hmm. But it's it's a great understory plant. Lynn, we have to run here. Um, I'll so, let you run. Well, thank you so much. I'll I'll do I'll, some more investigating about the red bud and the lilac. Well, thank you so much. All right, thanks for calling. So we'll take a short okay. break. When we come back, callers two, three, four, and five in today's garden grappler. Name a tree that begins with one of the letters from the word August. A-U-G-U-S-T. It's the Garden Grappler. It's going on Get Growing on Talk 650 KSTE. You're listening to Get Growing with Farmer Fred. Talk 650 KSTE. Here again, Fred Hoffman. Along with Jeff Gravish from Bothing Treeland Farms, we're, we have a tree garden grappler in progress right now. Name a tree that begins with one of the letters from the word August. A-U-G-U-S-T. Lynn and Altus said avocado, and we'll take it from there. Call it number two in today's garden grappler. It is Casey in Loomis. Hi, Casey. Hey, how you doing, Farm Fred? Doing fine. Go ahead and uh, give us an August plant, if you would, tree. Well, well I'm going to go for the extra credit and do the umbrella tree. 
Well, oh, for the U, yeah, that's right. Because I said yeah. if you name a tree that uh, begins with the letter U, and that's rather difficult, uh, you'll get psychic bonus points. Let me write psychic bonus. Psychic bonus points. I'll go PBE, for that. Yes. Plus the the prize. Now, but Jeff has to decide if umbrella tree is a good answer. Now, is Jeff? Is there a common name umbrella tree? Out there, there's a common name. I'm trying to think back what the, the genus is, and I think I have it. But um, yes, it, it, there there is an umbrella tree. Yeah, I want to say almost like a rubber tree, like a ficus. Well, I think there's a Skiadopitus, if I remember right. Whoa, that's fancy. Yeah, okay, well, I, so that's why I have to type it, and then I I Google it, and then if it's not there, I'm not going to say it again. Besides, if it's psychic bonus points, do you have to really write it down? Uh, Can't that just be transferred? <laughs> yes, well, it's <laughs> I have to re- well for me to mentally. Uh, send it to Casey. I have to write it down to remind myself when I get home and and put myself in my uh, hyperbolic chamber to uh, and and it, it's not hyperbaric. It's a hyperbolic chamber uh, to be able to send that to him. So uh, Casey, besides uh, the psychic bonus points, I also have for you from uh, uh, the folks at University of California their instructions on how to prune a ja- uh, how to prune a Japanese maple, and also from the International Society of Arboriculture pruning mature trees so that information will be coming your way as it will with lynn so casey good answer there skiadopitus thank you skiadopitus verticillata how do you spell that s-c-i-a-d-o-p-i-t-y-s okay uh, that's, see, that's a new one on me is it a yeah, house plant it's a <laughs> japanese umbrella pine yes it's sort of a house plant tree and, a small and, yeah and i'm very proud of myself that i remembered that because, yeah uh Congratulations. Half my brain is filled with plant names, and my wife knows that the other half isn't worth a darn either. So, <laughs> All right. Out to Idaho we go. Hi, Diane. Hello. Hello. So, Diane, go ahead. Give us a, a tree that begins with a letter from the word August. Well, I have a bunch, but I'm going to try one with the uh, correct name, and it may be wrong. Acer rubra. Jeff. Acer rubrum. Yeah. 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 Acer. Yes. Rubra. Yes. Yeah. And that would be the red, red maple. maple. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. absolutely. So I get points too. You get psychic bonus points as well for using the botanical name uh, Acer rubrum, and that's the A, of course. And all letters are eligible. No, no letters get eliminated. Diane, good job. I'll be sending uh, the, the the psychic bonus points and uh, the prizes on pruning trees to you. Great. Thank right. you so much. Thanks for calling. Appreciate mm-hmm. it. We have one open line at 576-1578 in the 916 and 866-331-8255 because caller 5 gets a bonus prize. Caller, where are we going here? Oh, is Scott is Scott in Plymouth back? Scott in Plymouth is back. All right, that's good. Hi, Scott. Hello, how are you doing? Doing fine. So, Scott, go ahead, give us a tree that begins with a letter from the word August. Well, I was going to go with just a simple one, apple tree. Jeff? Yeah, that's a simple one. And, that's and it a, works, yes. Yeah. Apple tree. Good answer there, Scott. I'll be sending you all that pruning information from the University of California and the International Society of Arboriculture. Yeah, I had I had umbrella plant written down, too, but that other guy beat me out. Yeah, yeah, you can't repeat a answer that's already given, but uh, that, that happens. Uh, all right. Thanks, Scott. Well, thank you. Thank you. All right, bye-bye. And that takes us to Caller 5 in today's Garden Grappler, Jackie in Citrus Heights. So, Jackie, I tell you what, if you can come up with a tree that begins with a letter from the word August that isn't an avocado, an umbrella tree, an apple tree, or an acer rubrum, also known as 
uh, red maple. I have for you, fresh, hot off the press, the Sacramento County Master Gardener, Master Food Preserver 2019 Gardening and Preserving Guide and Calendar that I will send your way. Awesome. I'd love it. Well. I have an apricot tree. You do? Yep. Oh, uh, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, apricot. And it's called a Cassia leptophila, right? No. Cassioleptophila is a... Oh, that's the gold medallion tree. Oh, okay, sorry. Yeah, yeah this yeah. would no, be a... Go back to the first guess. Apricot. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was trying to be quick and look it up while I was talking to you. Apricot. Okay, apricot, it's... thank you. And I have a question as well. Sure, go ahead. Um, earlier, you folks were talking about um, eastern redbuds, and, um, and it was recommended as an alternative to Oklahoma redbud. And I have an eastern redbud I'm un- unhappy with because of pests. And I'd like to consider the Oklahoma redbud. I just looked it up, and it tells me that this tree may develop multi- multi-trunks. So I'd like to know how to prune a tree so that I don't get multi-trunks. I have the same problem. I already have the problem with um, my fig tree that's growing now in a, um, a um a barrel that I did something wrong with the pruning and it's coming out multi instead of one long, tall tree. So what can I do in the future? Carry your shears with you anytime you go in the yard. You're not going to get multi-trunks on a, on a Oklahoma redbud. It's, okay. it's a single-trunk tree. It's, it's grown. Uh, everybody grows it. There are multi-trunk trees grown, but they have to cut off the trunk to develop the, multi, the, the multi-trunks. Okay. They have to cut off the main trunk. It's going to be sold as a single-trunk tree. Okay. It may sucker. It's a grafted tree, so it may sucker, you know, and that that's what you 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 want to prune off the suckers if they they generate. But no, it'll be a single trunk tree. You won't have that problem. Okay. So what I did wrong, it sounds like, with my fig is when I pruned it back, I pruned it down too far and cut off the main trunk, so it came out in all these separate sucker things, huh? On your fig? Fig, yeah. It's quite possible. Okay. Um, I mean it. I'm not sure on a fig. I'd have to, but okay. if you cut below, you know, even if you don't cut below the graft, if you cut it back heavy, you could just generate a lot of sucker growth. Okay, you know, that may have been what I did. Cut it back too far when it was new, when it was young. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't cut it. I wouldn't have cut it back. Start running okay. with scissors. Okay. Right. Thank you very much. Okay, Jackie. Congratulations. I, I enjoy the show. Bye. All right. Bye bye. Bye bye. Good job. All right. So there we got our five answers. So. Congratulations to all of them. And Jeff Gravish, thank you for spending part of your Sunday here. Thank you for having me. Anything you want to push, sell, promote? No. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) That's why I'm in sales, yeah. That's all right. Fine. All right. It's Jeff Gravish from Bothing Treeland Farms in Lodi. They are a wholesale grower. And even though Jeff is an arborist, he only works for Bothing Treeland Farms. So don't ask. Yes. All right. Okay. Jeff, always a pleasure. Always glad to have you here. And uh, best of luck uh, in your uh, endeavors. Thank you very much, Fred. All right. When we come back, we're talking with Warren Roberts out at the UC Davis Arboretum, finding out what's in bloom in August, part two. It's coming up as we continue with Get Growing on Talk 650 KSTE. Get Growing continues with Farmer Fred. Talk 650 KSTE. Here again, Fred Hoffman. Every month we like to talk with Warren Roberts out at the UC Davis Arboretum. Find out what's in bloom. He's the superintendent emeritus there. And 
Boy, it's been hot lately, and August has been uh, very hot so far, and yet there are still plants that are putting on a great show over there in Davis at the Arboretum. And we'll pick up where we left off, Warren, over on the KFBK Garden Show with the plants that are putting on a show during August. And, Warren, the last plant we talked about were the hibiscuses. Let's pick it up from there. One of the um, one of my favorite perennials is looking very nice right now. In fact, it blooms for us almost all year, and that's the Mexican tulip poppy. And um, Mexican tulip poppy, it's a perennial plant. It, it looks a lot like California poppy, but taller, and uh, it doesn't uh, do the dormant uh, <laughs> bit during summer. Uh, Hunemania, umar ifolia. H-U-N-N-E-M-A-N-N-I-A, Unamania, Umar Efolia. And I find that it likes a, um, a bright shade, well, um, or very, lots of light, but an, a not direct light, of not direct sunlight. Now that could vary from place to place, but this is a good plant to have. Pure yellow flowers. Hmm. Lagerstremia is a characteristic plant of Central Valley Gardens, the crepe myrtle. I, I remember one of my earliest <laughs> memories was visiting um, relatives in Oildale, California, and in the summertime, I think I must have been four years old, and I've never forgotten it, the rich colors of the, of the crepe myrtle. And of course, the bark of the plant is beautiful as well. But uh, it's, a, it's a flower of summer. Lantana, another summer flower. There are a number of lantanas around, <clears throat> and um, the, uh, the lavender-flowered one, the, the ground cover one, the lantana monovidensis, is uh, uh, pretty hardy. It, some winters it, it gets some damage, but mo- most winters it, it uh, survives fine. And if it gets damaged, you just cut it back and it'll grow back. The uh, orange and yellow and red ones um, are a little more tender, but spectacular right now. Mandeville Alaxa. This is the Chilean jasmine, so-called, even though it's native to Argentina. Um, it's a vine related to star jasmine. Uh, the flowers are bigger, though. They're about uh, kind of uh, not as big as an Easter lily flower, maybe one-third, but still larger than um, star jasmine. And uh, this fragrance is kind of like Easter lilies. It's a very deliciously fragrant uh, plant. It's a deciduous vine um, that can sometimes work with other things. Uh, it's a favorite of mine, I'm, I must admit. And a relative of it is the oleander, Nerium oleander, still in full bloom right now. And my favorite of them is the big white one, which can get, oh gosh, easily up to 20 feet. And um, the uh, clear, clean white of the flower is very refreshing. This is a good plant for screening. Uh, Of course, it is poisonous, but don't eat it. (laughs) Yeah, or burn it. (laughs) Or burn it, or chew chew on it. Um, And the flowers are fragrant. So um, another typical plant for Central Valley Garden. And you have types all the way from the big white one, Sister Agnes or Seahanye, all the way down to some of the dwarf ones, uh, which are pink or um, a, a kind of salmon color, and, and a small red one is available too. Um, one of the most astounding plants uh, to, that caught my eye um, uh, in the in my walk through the arboretum, taking notes, 
is uh, the um, prickly pear. We have a great big one, Opuntia ficus indica, um, that I got a cutting of it from a really big plant growing in early March, California. The plant's native to Mexico, and uh, ours is about hmm, 17 feet tall, and it has uh, hundreds, if not thousands, of bright red prickly pears on it. Mm. Very, very attractive. Uh, the flowers are a, kind of a pale yellow. They're beautiful, too, but these red fruit were just amazing. And there are people who make prickly pear salad. Yes, these young stems, when they still have those little rubbery, tiny leaves, uh, can be uh, gathered. The spines are not mature yet and uh, sliced, taking off all the um, the places where the leaves and, and uh, stickers would come out and uh, then slicing them. And probably the best way is about string bean size. Mm. And uh, even when they're cooked, they have a crispness. But you should have them in something that's somewhat acid, uh, like with tomatoes or with lemon juice, because they do have the hype, the uh, okra quality. Uh, oh, they're, <laughs> they're an acquired taste, in other words. They're kind of an acquired taste. Uh, you get them often uh, uh, pickled uh, uh, or, you know, lightly pickled, but it's a characteristic uh, uh, food of the Mexican cuisine. I'm particularly fond of them. And the fruit you can use to make jelly, but you really know have to know what you're doing so you don't get your fingers full of stickers. Pavonia missionorum. This is a hibiscus relative, a small uh, evergreen shrub with beautiful orange-red uh, hibiscus flowers, about each flower about two or three inches across, native to uh, South America, uh, northeastern Argentina, Southern Uruguay, Southern Brazil, um, uh, uh, and also Para Southern Paraguay, I should say. And that's a beautiful uh, plant, kind of new in the trade, Pavonia missionorum. How do you spell Pavonia? P-A-V-O-N-I-A. -A. a couple of penstemons, well, the hybrids are still uh, showing some flowers, but the uh, a Texan penstemon called Baccarifolius, a small, um, you know, it gets about eight inches tall, I guess, maybe nine, and spreads out to be two or three feet. And it has uh, cinnabar red flowers, rich uh, coral red type flowers. And and uh, Pensamon heterophyllus, which is native to our foothills around the Central Valley, which has a, f a flower that is a combination of um, blue and parts of it are true blue and uh, a little bit of pink, and I guess um, mauve or puce, I forget what that color is, kind of a purpley pink, anyway. Uh, both of these are good hummingbird plants, too. Plumbago, Plumbago auriculata, we have a white-flowered form at the gazebo and blue-flowered forms elsewhere. This plant is native to South Africa, and uh, a patch of these, it looks like the sky has fallen in the garden, <laughs> that color. Roses. Rose hybrids are in bloom. If you did a little bit of pruning, you will have um, uh, a, a, another flush of bloom. But the roses bloom anyway in the, in the summertime. And uh, roses, as, as you may know, are <clears throat> the, the hybrid roses are cross between Chinese species and uh, European or Mediterranean species. Roselia. 
the um, coral uh, showers plant, Rosselia St. Elmo's Fire is a new, to me anyway, new hybrid. It's smaller than regular Rosselia. It's about two feet tall, rather erect stems, and abundant, rich coral red flowers, tubular flowers, another hummingbird uh, haven, and uh, <clears throat> easy to grow. In the wintertime, if it gets cold, it might freeze back, but it'll come back uh, and bloom from spring until frost. Another hybrid plant that is just um, renewing its blooming is the uh, the hybrid soapwort, Saponaria hybrid Lampergii Max Frey. You can see it, it has some um, some uh, uh, German uh, influence by the names. Uh, a European plant, easy and tough, and uh, you. You can have any color you want as long as it's bright pink. <laughs> this is a good, good pink flowering plant. And it likes sun or part shade. Um, and if it starts looking kind of ratty, clip it back, and it'll come back and bloom for you. So it's a, it's a uh, once-a-year pruning plant for a good behavior in the garden. Soapwort. And that's all I have on my list. A lot of other things are in bloom. Well, all and people have to do is pay a visit to the Arboretum any old day of the week because it's open seven days a week. And, uh, that's, that's right. You can, uh, and it's um, an easy walk. There are no steep hills. And we we don't have any poison oak in the Arboretum <laughs> to worry about either. If you want more information about the Arboretum, wonderful website, arboretum.ucdavis.edu. You'll find suggested plant lists, maps of the Arboretum, and information about their upcoming sales and their first fall plant sale coming up Saturday, September 29th. That's right. And um, if you uh, it goes from 9 to 1, from 9 to 11 is for members, but you can join at the door, and uh, new members will get a 10% discount and a uh, 10% was it a $10 coupon or something. <laughs> well, members always save 10% on every purchase. That's right. So there's that, and new members will receive a $10 value thank you gift. Oh, that's, okay, thank you. And you can join at the door or join online. Yes, indeed. And again, the website, arboretum.ucdavis.edu. The sale again, Saturday, September 29th. Fall is for planting. Hey, Warren, let's uh, do this again in September and find out what's in bloom at the Arboretum. I'd enjoy that very much, Fred. Thank you so much for the opportunity. You're more than welcome. Always glad to do it. Warren Roberts, Superintendent Emeritus of the UC Davis Arboretum. You're listening to Get Growing on Talk 650 KSTE. You're listening to Get Growing with Farmer Fred. Talk 650 KSTE. Here again, Fred Hoffman. All right, let's uh, take a look at upcoming garden events for the next uh, seven days or so. Between now and next uh, Saturday or maybe next Sunday. Let's see here. Um, Coming up next Saturday, August 25th, the Nevada County Master Gardeners have a class on Eat Your Greens, How to Grow Delicious Vegetables All Winter. And this class will be held from uh, 10 a.m. to noon at the NID grounds. That would be the Nevada Irrigation District grounds at 1036 West Main Street in Grass Valley next Saturday, 10 to noon. Yes, you can garden here all year long. We, there, are, there are no seasons uh, as far as uh, you have to stop and do something else. I, I kind of feel sorry for the people back east because they get kind of a double whammy. 
when it comes to gardening. Not only do you have the winter that might include snow, in the summertime you might have oppressive humidity, which is going to keep you indoors. Whereas here, especially here in the Sacramento area, it's it's it, it really is nice year-round. Maybe some bouts of fog in the wintertime, but really, you know, you can bundle up for that. And yes, now is the time to be planning your uh, fall vegetable and winter vegetable garden and doing some planting, perhaps in September. But to figure out what you want now, where you're going to plant it. Always a good idea, too, that as you swap out your summer vegetables for the winter vegetables, that you refurbish the soil, mix in some compost, worm castings, just uh, feed the soil because that will feed the plants. All right, next Saturday, the Master Gardeners over in Amador County have their annual tomato tasting contest. That'll be next Saturday going on. uh, So let's see, where's it going to be? It's going to be at the Sutter Creek Farmer's Market. So if you want to enter a tomato, uh, you'd do so between 8.30 and 9.30. The judges will begin their tasting at 10 and announce their favorites by 11.30. Prizes will be given for the biggest as well as the best tasting red, non-red, and cherry tomatoes. And uh, they have uh, many qualified judges, tomato fans from all over. And then there will be a public tasting, and you'll have the fun of tasting all kinds of tomatoes, from tiny grape-sized tomatoes to giants the size of grapefruits and a variety of colors. And uh, this is one of the few uh, tomato tastings that's going to be going around uh, as we approach tomato tasting season, usually late August. September, tomato tasting time. I was talking with Rose Love All Sale out at Mornings on Herb Farm. They usually do an annual tomato tasting, but they're not doing it this year. So there's one up in Amador County, maybe your best bet for a tomato tasting. Again, it's next Saturday, August 25th, and uh, it'll be at the uh, Sutter Creek Farmer's Market at the corner of Main Street and Gopher Flat Road in Sutter Creek. All right. So that's going on. Next Saturday, the Calaveras County Master Gardeners Demonstration Garden will be open from 10 till 1. They'll, they'll talk about preserving your harvest. That's the theme for their facilitated discussion. Uh, now that the tomatoes and squash are in full production, you need ways and means to store your bounty for the future. Speaking of which, Terry, did you get a muffin? Did you get a zucchini? Okay, good. Homemade zucchini muffins. Zucchini, very palatable when surrounded by sugar. <laughs> it's it's out there on the counter. I think uh, maybe he took the last one. All right. Uh, so anyway, yes. Uh, so canning, drying, freezing are simple and effective methods to preserve fruits and vegetables. And uh, th- that's the theme of their talk there at the Calaveras County Demonstration Garden next Saturday, 10 to 1. Their demo garden is located at the County Government Center at 891 Mountain Ranch Road in San Andreas. Uh, next Sunday at, uh, over in Davis, the Mary Stevens Davis Library at 315 East 14th Street, the Yolo County Master Gardeners will have a discussion on varied topics such as pruning apricot and other fruit trees, harvesting fruit and vegetables, planting cool weather vegetables by seed, and edible flowers and culinary herbs. And that's a free uh, chat. Two to four o'clock Next Sunday at the Mary Stevens Davis Library in Davis. Now, you may wonder, why are you talking about pruning fruit trees now? Well, it's August, and two fruit tree varieties that need to get pruned in August are apricots and cherries. 
because they're very susceptible to winter rainborne diseases. When you prune a fruit tree in the wintertime, the tree is dormant. The tree spends a long time healing that wound. In the meantime, pathogens delivered by rain could screw up your tree, to put it technically. But if you do pruning now, while the tree is still actively growing, those wounds will heal quickly. So August is the time for pruning apricot and cherry trees. Now you may be asking yourself, well, what about uh, using some sort of sealant? Well, as we talked about earlier, sealants uh, for pruning cuts are not recommended either by the University of California or by the International Society of Arboriculture. There is no uh, proven research that shows that they are effective and may actually be detrimental. So uh, basically pruning your fruit trees now because they your your apricot and cherry trees now they'll have less of a problem uh, adapting uh, to any sort of problems that might develop in the winter time because those wounds will have healed by then all right uh, what else is going on um what time is it okay i want to tell you about the farm hour and it's coming up from noon to one o'clock the kste farm hour and uh <laughs> you know i would never want to be agriculture secretary sonny purdue what a job he has to do tap dancing to explain the presidential administration's tariffs or policies. He does a good job at it, though, explaining it with a straight face. But he got an earful from Central Valley Farmers this past week because he was out in California. He went up and uh, toured uh, the fire areas and then spent a few days in the Central Valley touring farms and uh uh, the local farmers didn't uh, cut him much slack. They asked him, grilled him about the shortage of farm labor because of the immigration issues and, of course, the ongoing tariff disputes. And it looks like California farmers are going to get the short end of that deal as far as the money that the U.S. government says they will dole out to farmers nationwide as compensation for any damage they may suffer because of all the tariffs uh, and retaliatory tariffs of foreign countries on American farm goods. And the Chinese in particular have done an interesting job of pinpointing agricultural commodities for uh, tariffs, for, for charging more for those. And in a lot of situations, they have targeted those areas, those districts, those crops that voted heavily for Donald Trump. So you have, and the Central you ever looked at a map of the 2016 election, the entire Central Valley is red that voted Republican from Reading to Bakersfield. And as a result, a lot of the Chinese retaliatory tariffs are against those crops from that area, almonds, walnuts, cherries, and a lot more. But it's it looks like most of the compensatory payments that the government is going to issue for farmers is going to go to corn and soybean growers. And there's some short shrift going on with specialty crop growers, such as here in California. And the farmers here asked the secretary, Sonny Perdue, about that. And you can listen to his tap-dancing answer during the KSDE Farm Hour from noon to 1 o'clock. Uh, what else? Um, how close are we to consuming lab-grown meat? Closer than you might think. We have that report. And uh, we, we remember uh, Chuck Engels. Now, if you didn't uh, hear the... Uh, little memorial we had for recently passed Sacramento County Farm Advisor Chuck Engels on the KFBK Garden Show. There's a farm version 
coming up on the KSDE Farm Hour from noon to 1 o'clock where we pay tribute to Chuck and all that uh, he accomplished here in our area. So that'll be on there, plus all the crop reports as well. So that's coming up on uh, the KSDE Farm Hour from noon to 1 o'clock. And if you miss any of that, you can catch it as a podcast available at the iHeartRadio app or uh, ksde.com or your uh, favorite third-party podcast aggregator where you can download it and, and listen to it later to your heart's content. Okay, I can take a hint. Time for me to get on out of here, making room for the news and the KSDE Farm Hour. I'll be back again next Sunday morning with another thrill-packed edition of Get Growing on Talk 650 KSDE. Sacramento's Organic Advocate Steve Zion will be joining us, and we'll be getting some tips on renovating your soil for that uh, fall vegetable uh, seeding that you want to do. So we'll be doing that uh, coming up next Sunday. Thanks for listening. I appreciate your support all these 26 years. And we'll probably do it again next Sunday morning, too. Bye-bye.